0: Rap Your Body came out in 85. Um, this record has a different uh, sound from the other ones. It looks like um, Kevin wasn't there anymore. Is that what happened?
1: Was Kevin on the Wrap Your Body? That's when Gary Glenn came along. What other songs were on that album? Was Lost Inside of You on the Wrap Your Body
0: album? Uh, Let's Talk, Serving It, Wrap uh, Your Body, uh, of course, title track. Yeah,
1: Kevin.
0: Um, I don't see um, his name anywhere on it. Yeah,
1: okay. that must have been. He wasn't yeah. there anymore. That's when uh, we got a new keyboard player in the band at the time, named Valdez Brantley. Uh, uh, found Valdez playing with a local band in the city, got him in the group. He never played, and he never sung, but he was a great keyboard player. Uh, just to read, just to move a bit further up, Val has now been the music director for Usher for about the last 15 years or so, if not a little longer. So that particular album was produced and done by myself, Al Hudson, uh, with the uh, keyboard workings of Valdez Brantley. <clears throat> we also had, um, name, name a couple of other songs on that,
0: <laughs> about, maybe I've been ballads. Um, believe in Me, uh, More Than Friends, Less Than Lovers.
1: Okay okay yeah that that, actually that was done by myself al and somewhat of valdez brantley uh because i was getting ready to mention the gary glenn but gary glenn was probably prior to that yeah Uh, yeah yeah because gary glenn was a known rap a long a known songwriter uh we'll get back and get into him a little bit later but but yeah that particular rap your body was was a combination of myself al and valdez brantley did most of the work on that particular
0: project it's still a really funky record, but the sound, I would say, it's sort of, it's like a harsher sound than mm-hmm. before, um, if you agree with that.
1: Yeah, 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 I would. I, I, I can't say that we were trying to uh, do anything different. I guess this is where our musical brains were. Again, yeah, again, the new keyboards coming out and things, we were trying to make something work with this sound, that sound. so. So yeah, I think we're still just kind of doing our thing.
0: Let's Talk was sort of like a jazz band kind of thing, it seemed.
1: Yeah, that was one of my creations, <laughs> which was a song, oh, a yeah. record that, oh, was yeah. me, that was before its time. Right. Uh, the song went into the record company as titled Let's Talk About Sex. It comes back as Let's Talk. <laughs> so they, they were a little apprehensive about it. They attempted to release it as a single because they love the song. Unfortunately, the song was before it's time. There were people protesting at some of the radio stations. So they stopped playing it. So, But that didn't happen in Europe. European market took it on and took it and loved it to death. As a matter of fact, they still play it over there now. Hmm. Uh, So, and the reason I can say it was before it's time because a few years later, here comes Salt Salt and Pepper pepper, with the same song. Different, they didn't copy my song, but the same title. And it and it blew up for them.
0: <laughs> well, I'm I'm just wondering. I'm trying to remember when um, I want your sex by George Michael came out because that really? was a big hit, and that was in the '80s. Sometime must have been somewhere around.
1: Mm-hmm. Right? Wow, that's a good question.
0: Yeah, but I think that's
1: he took. Think about that.
0: I think he took a lot of heat for it too, though. Did he? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, well, yeah. Well, I know that at the R&B stations there was some protesting going on, oh, and yeah. and um, so they stopped playing it. And I forgot what they released after that. I think the record just got scared for half a year. <laughs> but the European market it embraced it and took it on, and it became a pretty decent song over there.
0: So, have you guys performed a lot overseas?
2: Um, back in the day, yeah. we we did Japan a few times. We did Africa. What? Uh, we
1: did a forty-one year. We did a England forty-five days did a 45-day tour, uh which consisted of 15 dates in, in England, 15 dates in Holland, and 15 dates in Germany. And then we, like Al said, we've been to Japan twice, we've been to Africa two or three times. So yeah, so about average, I would say. Yeah.
0: Do you enjoy that going abroad? Oh yeah. oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
2: Love it. Yes. We go abroad. I mean, it's like we're the you know, you would think Michael Jackson hit the stage. Yeah, <laughs> I mean as far bad. as the way they treat us, they treat us to Yeah. They treat us like royalty. I mean, seriously, it's, it's in any place that we're performing there is always packed. And I mean like standing room like this together. You know what I mean that's that's yeah. the way they do and they just enjoy themselves. And heaven knows <laughs> I don't think a lot of them speak English, but still they enjoy Yeah that, what now they that enjoy was strange. Yeah. When we went
1: to Japan, it was really strange because uh, that was our first time going into a market where only a small percentage of the people spoke English. But what was strange about it, they could sing our songs yeah. in mm-hmm. English, uh, not knowing if they knew what they meant. And while we were on stage singing, they were screaming and hollering. So it was, it was all good.
2: <laughs> and when you go there, everybody have all the albums. Come sign. I mean, they oh, just yeah. bring the albums to the show. You know. Yeah, it some of the overseas markets.
1: Yeah, they brought the one guy brought the whole collection that he had, and we sat there and signed every album for him.
2: Different and fun. Yeah, and
1: that's absolutely. all I can say.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: absolutely.
0: Wow, it's quite a tribute. On, on this record, this track serving it, you got the voice box in there, which I don't recall one way using voice box before. Was that the first time?
1: Um, no. That was the vocoder, which is called a vocoder. Um that's the same thing that's doing mr. Groove a lot of people oh, yeah. thought that the talk box Did mr. Groove, but it didn't The vocoder which we had the original which was made by a company called Roland, Uh, the vocoder was what we used to do mr. Groove with and also when we did serving it Uh was done with the vocoder the only difference was kevin McCora did the lead on mr. Groove We had a young man named Louis Resto, uh, which was a great keyboardist around the city here. Matter of fact, Louie plays with George Clinton. Uh, He did the thing on serving it. But when Louie did it, it sounded more like a Herbie Hancock vocoder thingy, more so than what Kevin did with Mr. Groove. But that's probably why it's a little smoother uh, Mm -hmm. than Mr. Groove.
0: You mentioned P-Funk and I see you got another P-Funk percussionist. On this record, Larry jello
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's the man. <laughs> yep.
1: Yeah. That is the man. Yep. Yeah, He's yeah, he was he played on some everybody stuff yes, in the city here. He is probably the premier percussionist in the Metro Detroit area. Yeah.
0: So one way nine, why did you decide all all of a sudden at that point to use a number as a
1: title? That wasn't us. <laughs> <laughs> That was the record company again, <laughs> not knowing what to call it. <laughs> and that's a good question. I don't know who. I don't know who came up with that. What's the photographer guy that used to do all yeah, of our I can, artwork? I can see him. I see his face his too. I can't I can think I can his name. Him, but but it was probably his idea. <laughs> uh, can't think of that guy's name, but yeah, because he did a he did a lot of our a lot of our covers. Uh, he directed a lot of our covers with uh, with MCA. I can't think of that man's name for crap. I don't know why.
0: But yeah, the one
1: <laughs> way nine thing. Again, look at the photo on that. That's when we kind of had that um uh on the back of the on the back of one of the twelve inches. that's when we had that Miami Vice look with the linen, the linen yeah, outfits yeah. and things of that nature. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. so well, I ain't I'm, no telling.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, when you talked about that, uh I figured it might be from this period when you talked about it in the beginning because mm-hmm. um I was looking again at the video for whammy you guys remember uh, yeah. remember <laughs> that
2: uh-huh. <laughs> crazy crazy
1: <laughs> uh, that was our first and last video <laughs> i can tell you the story behind it well actually when we did whammy that was kind of at the beginning of when videos were starting to be done on acts and uh, the the word that we got from the record company they would do the video but probably not a lot because videos at that time were costing a bit much somewhere between fifty and hundred thousand dollars to do a video, uh, with all the editing included and all the makeup and the recording and so on and so forth and the location. So um they did that they did that one video on us and never did another one because they said the thing was they couldn't make any money off of them. You know, and it didn't really have at the time also uh MTV and VH one was not a big to do. So there was no outlet, uh just a very minor outlet for music videos back then. So they said, due to the fact that they couldn't make any, it wouldn't enhance the record sale, they didn't think. Uh, so they weren't really doing a whole lot of videos after that. But we see where they ended up at. <laughs> now they say they can't sell a record without doing a video. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, so Whammy was a, it was a, it was a fun thing to do. And mm-hmm. our kids and grandkids are kind of laughing at it now, but they're watching it every other day.
0: <laughs> was was that inspired at all by like Super Freak or something like that, or was it sort of in that vein a little bit musically?
1: Um, I don't think so. Um, myself and Valdez Brantley did the track, and Al and I did the, the vocal arrangements on it. Um, and it just kind of came to, it just kind of, and that was a that was project that, um, That Diodato produced. So it just kind of came to be what it was. And also, that was the first. Was this the first? This might have been. Let me see. This might have been the first album that we sequenced. Hmm. The One Way Nine. One Way Nine is the one that Diodato's on. That was the first album that we. I believe that was the first album that we actually sequenced. Even though we had drum machines and things of that nature on some of the earlier stuff, most of the keyboard stuff was played actually live in the studio. But on that on this particular album, I would say about 99% of the tracks were sequenced on the One Way Nine album. And that was our first introduction to uh, to a sequencer, which was introduced to us by Diodato.
0: You guys had your last big hit on this record, uh, which was You Better Quit. What do you remember about that one?
1: Well, again, I don't mean to talk out, but it went into the record company as "You Oughta Quit,"
2: <laughs> right? Then and, you better quit, right?
1: They, I guess they call themselves <laughs> correcting our English. It comes back <laughs> on the album as "You Better
2: Quit." Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was a good song, though. You know, it was fun doing it, and uh, I guess the storyline, you know, was. People, something that I thought would be pretty catchy. You know, you know how women are, and they like for you to like to make them feel like they' in charge and you' right, put right, with right. your job and right. all that type of stuff.
1: You know? They also introduced uh, a, a new addition to the band, uh, which was Jeanette Jackson. At the time, her name was Jeanette Mack, but she's right. since married. Mm-hmm. But that's her doing the lead uh, on on that particular cut with Al, which uh, mm-hmm. she's a very good singer. Uh, if you listen to her in solo, uh, singing just outright, she sounds exactly like Phyllis Hyman. Yeah, Phyllis Hyman. Yeah. And that was her That was her go-to singer back in the day before she had a recording career.
0: You know, back at that time, there were so many um, R&B and dance tracks coming out that sort of had that formula, if you will, sort of like the uptempo R&B with the female vocal out front you know, Mm -hmm. your your star points and your Lisa Lisa's and exposés Mm -hmm. and the stuff Flight Time was producing. And Mm -hmm. why do you think it was so popular then? It was like a real trend, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, I I can't, yeah, I think it was. I can't say why, Uh, but the only thing I noticed that, and it it still kind of happened in the beginning of the hip hop era, Yeah, for a few years, all the guy groups were, were hitting and doing things and a female would get a hit. Then all of a sudden for the next year or two a lot of lady vocalists were, were hitting. So I, I can't tell, can't tell you why, because that was uh kind of the era for the for the lady group singer thing.
0: Yeah. So Al, how'd you feel about that when the women were being pushed out front more? Did you feel like, hey, <laughs> do, give a brother a break, you know, or, or are you good with it? Uh it's it's okay with me.
2: I, I was for anything. <laughs> I wasn't a complainer. I just I just enjoy doing what I do. But I understand what you're saying as far as the ladies
0: go. <laughs> yeah. And that record definitely, you mentioned earlier, but overall I would say had a more mainstream pop R&B kind of feel than the other albums. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Yeah, they did. Yeah. So what happened? You guys changed labels after that, went to Capitol, and what, what took place um, around that time?
2: Well, I know Capital did a lot of changing after we, you know, went over to Capital. It was a lot of, you know, top, the people at the top of the board, it was a lot of changes that went on, and I think we got kind of lost in the shuffle. Well, yeah, I also wanted to know
1: why did we change over from MCA to Capital, uh, And as far as I remember is that our contract with MCA was up at the time Capitol records had been pursuing us for quite some time i would say for maybe at least two years or so because every now and then we would see some of their guys pop up at some of our shows and things of that nature and they were always kind of huddled up around our manager kind of whispering and talking and um so i don't know i can't say what made this was after al perkins death though his wife took over after he passed away um uh, okay
0: yeah i was gonna ask who irene was but obviously his wife. yeah
1: that was al perkins wife and yeah. she kind of took over the business after he oh, passed right. away um so um so i don't i can't say why she switched over uh because we we could have re-signed with mca uh because the good thing about us was that uh, we were one of three four acts that we were one of the only four acts that got switched over from ABC to MCA, which was us, B.B. King, the Dramatics, and Shaka Khan and Rufus. So, so we still had a little stint with MCA. They still kind of loved us and, and they were still putting the money behind the records and stuff. So I can't say why she switched us over uh, from MCA to, uh, to uh, Capital. Also at that time too, uh, Gerald Busby and Loyal Silas was running the company. And which they had acquired new edition, which um, I'm not sure if they were starting to put more money or more budget money into new edition stuff than they did any of the other acts. I never paid a heck of a lot of attention back then uh, to the business part, but um, but um, that could have had something to do with it, uh, them wanting to maybe redo the deal at a lower budget or something to that degree. And then we went over on over to Capitol Records.
0: Ironically, it was called a new beginning with Capitol Records, and it ended absolutely. up being the last record. So, um,
2: absolutely,
0: yeah. I, I, yeah, we, Al, Al, you were indicating that you guys didn't really have the support and that kind of thing there. Um, ha, you still had some pretty good tracks on there. I mean, get on, uh, get up off it is a good cut. Right. But, um, you have let's talk. This time is a ballad which uh (laughs) yeah
2: yeah 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 yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) uh pleasure seeker was pretty good
2: okay yeah yeah Yeah.
0: so um what happened
2: and you're not my problem anymore i don't i don't know when the heck we were i
1: don't know what we were trying to do when we did that particular project um i
2: can't even tell you about you know we had say 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 yeah but you had told me about the personnel yeah, it. why they? Yeah,
1: I I can tell you why we ended up not being with Capital anymore after that, but but what made us do that particular album, the the songs that were on it. Um, thinking about it, I can't say for sure, but Al has always been uh, a non selfish person uh, to the degree where if he think, and he's still that way today. If you think he's getting too much attention away from some of the other members of the organization he'll kind of slide back and let somebody else have the spotlight for a minute and that's just the way he is uh and we could have been to the degree where we were trying to introduce uh jeanette as a solo and as a part of the a lead singer in the in the organization at that time so uh so maybe we were trying to write songs that 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 fit more of um uh, a male, female lead vocalist category, so to speak. And I, and I can't say that's what the reason was for sure. Because again, we just wrote songs. And I guess uh, whatever we felt at the time, we just wrote. Now, I can tell you this. Uh, that started a a, a a time where we might have wrote 15, 20 songs and, and cut just about all of them and the record company fixed the best 10 or 12. But I can say for sure that probably happened uh, on that particular project. We wrote a bunch of stuff and sent them in and they picked what they they thought would go on the project best. And uh, so maybe they had some ingling on trying to push us uh, over into the pop side of the market. I don't know.
0: I gotta say, you know, I mean, I felt like you guys did an amazing job being a funk R&B band and doing what you did as deep into the 80s as you did, because Mm -hmm. very few did, you know, maybe like a cameo. But, you know, most of the others, the early 80s ate them up, you know?
1: Yeah, right. You you guys
0: kept rolling, you know? Um, But I was surprised that, you know, just like two years removed from having a major hit with um, You Better Quit, that you guys were not doing it. It was, you know...
1: Yeah, I, I can't tell you what it was, and, and you know what, too, I tell you, um, uh, for a long time, we went through a lot of grief over the the killing of our former manager, Al Perkins. Uh, be that as it may, uh, whatever he did back in the day, he did, but there were a lot of other things that were in store that would have happened for us, uh, being that he had a survived and, and not been killed. Uh, just for instance, uh, the day prior to his killing, we were we had just finished a concert in LA uh, the night before and we had breakfast. Remember the, the actor Gary Coleman?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We had breakfast that morning with his dad. Uh, obviously, Gary was getting ready to be involved in a movie and his dad was looking at us to do the soundtrack. Which was going through Al Perkins slash through MCA. So we had had breakfast with him that morning before we left uh, to fly to L.A. and come home. And uh, when we got home, is when we found out that Al Perkins had passed away uh, via somebody killing him. You know, and from that point on, you know things kind of took a whole nother road. We grieved for a long time after that. We grieved for a long time. So. Uh, can't tell you for sure what what had us in the writing mode uh, after that. But whatever we came up with, we did. I can't say why we didn't have as much funk stuff on there after the fact. Ain't no telling.
2: Hmm. I can't say we're working on something now. (laughs) 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 All right. I can't say that for sure.
0: (laughs) Well, that's music to the ears already.
2: Oh, yeah. Absolutely. (laughs) I think the uh, and
1: it's funny that you're saying that now. Looking at the tracks that's going to be on the next project, it's probably going to be a combination of stuff we did from back then, all the way through stuff that we did, uh, all the way up to the new beginning project with uh, uh, with the capital. You know, because I think our brain is in all is in in a bit of all of that now. So, so uh, so hopefully we hopefully this thing here will will be uh, in the market. Uh, probably sometime early next year. Uh, But the only other part to that is it's going to be in the European market first. It's coming there via a record company called Expansion Records. So it's going to come out there uh, if and when it makes it to this side of the country, then uh, that'll be, you know, that'll be at a later date.
0: What what did what happened with you guys uh, in between, say from like nineteen ninety on? I mean, did did you perform together? When did you get back together? What took place?
1: Well, we kind of stopped performing for about a year or two,
2: yeah.
1: uh, just kind of reiterating. Uh, didn't I think we were a little we were a little lost? I guess I could say, because um, the industry wasn't hunting us down for gigs. Uh, nobody was hunting us down for records or music or anything. So we were kind of trying to re ourselves, I guess. Uh, somewhere along the line, Al and I got together and had a conversation. And we made a bond. And uh, once we made the bond, we put it back together to never be taken apart again unless the Lord calls us home. Uh, so we got back together, put the band, you know, put another band back together. And uh, we've been back on the road doing it since then. And now here's a good side, an upside to us putting things back together. Uh, we almost, we came extremely close to be to be to being re-signed by MCA uh, in probably around 0607. Uh, myself and Al and Candace Gray, which was another you know female member that sung on Pool, uh, we were we were the the nucleus of the band especially for the recording part. We went in the studio and recorded a whole project, and I forgot how we met this guy. There was a guy that was running the urban division for NCA Records out in LA named Jeff Reed. Met him, sent him a copy of the project. He loved it. He said, man, I'm gonna re-sign you guys. He said, as a matter of fact, I'm working on something right now with Sherelle and Stephanie Mills. He said, so I'll let that, I'll let you guys be a part of this re release that we're getting ready to do. So after meeting with him in LA and and hearing that he liked the stuff, and we were on a roll. Well, about six, about four months later, I noticed that I had no, couldn't catch up with with Jeff, wasn't returning any phone calls. And out, out of the blue, we found out that Universal Music, who was the parent company, of MCA closed the label down.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: East Coast and West Coast closed all the offices, let everybody go, no new signings, no new nothing. And that was the end of MCA Records. So we put the the, the songs that we had, we just put them in the can and left them there. Uh, I, I've had people coming to me saying, well, why don't you release this, release that? And these are people that have no clue of what it t- takes to release a record, a major record in the major market, which none of us had the had the whereabouts or the financial stability to do that. So Al and I agreed that the records would stay in the can until we got something that we felt comfortable with, i.e. Ralph, over from Expansion Records, uh, heard the project and he liked it and uh, he's going to uh, do a thing with us. And, uh, and released it in the uh, in the
0: in the UK. Wow, that's great! Exciting news! I can't wait to finally hear that stuff. And I know absolutely. viewers feel the same way. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, whatever it takes, you know, if it's an import. Absolutely, absolutely, because yeah, it, it's in our
1: blood. And and to be out here, you know, I I don't even I can't remember until recently I can't remember any entertainers retiring. Entertainers from my day—we don't retire. We just play. We keep going. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know, I've seen them coming out with canes and crutches and yeah. wheelchairs and still sounding the same. and Bobby Blue Man, yeah, the breathing machine, yeah. Bobby <laughs> Blue Man was on the blues tour. He come out with an oxygen machine right, and sat on a stool and tore it and up. Took that and, and still sounded the same.
0: So, the only one trying to break that is Larry Dotson, who just said he retired.
1: Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, Larry and I got a little personal joke about that one. That the word "retired" and the word "resting" right. starts with the right. same letter. Right. <laughs> yeah. you know we're we're on that we're on the tour with those guys right now.
0: Oh, the yeah. new singer.
1: Yeah, no, no. With with well, we've been on it since we've been on it for yeah, two years. But he's the new guy. Just started this year, I think. Right, but I'm saying he again. is. He is on the same yeah. tour. You know? Yep. Uh, yeah. the, it's called the Masters of Funk. And the tour consists of us, the case, can Confunction, and Lakeside. And periodically, they'll pop in the Mary Jane girls or the Daz Band in there as an extra if they need more acts.
0: That is a killer lineup. You know, what I love is that it's all legit. It's all real funk. You know, there's some Absolutely. of these uh, ones that say, oh, yeah. we're funk, you know, fast, or a funk show. And they're barely or not even any funk. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I'm not the
1: only one that thought that. Uh We had that (laughs) same conversation. It's like, okay, it's a funk show in Atlanta this week. Who's on it? And all the names they mentioned, I was like, well, which one of them are funk acts?
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's as bad, Dave, as when back in um, the late '70s, people were calling funk disco. I mean, it's kind of like that, you know? Yeah. It's not. Funk is not disco. Right. No, it's not. And R and B and soul, hip hop, whatever is not fun. Right,
1: right, right, right. right, right.
0: So, well,
1: they um, keep changing things around and just keep ticking me off. Here, here's another little pet peeve I had. When you hear the word band, B A N D, what do you perceive that to be?
0: Real musicians.
1: Thank you. <laughs> Where we come from, if you say the word band, oh, somebody in there got to be playing an instrument. Yeah. Now, when they started coming out with the groups like NSYNC, 98 Degrees, uh, Boyz Men, Jody's, blah, blah, they start calling them boy bands. Mm. And I keep scratching my head like, well, where's the band part? Because <laughs> when I took band in school, everybody played instruments. <laughs> now, when I see the Whispers and the Temptations and the Four Tops, Stylistics, those are not boy bands, those are singing groups.
0: Local groups, yeah.
1: Absolutely. So so anyway, that, they keep changing stuff around. So like they keep trying to call a lot of this new music nowadays. They keep trying to call it R&B. Eh, probably not.
0: <laughs> yeah, look, I'm, I'm not even sure if today's rap is still really rap as rap was.
1: Thank you very much. Thank yeah. you very much. Ooh, <laughs> wow, I mean, it's a long way away from, from Tupac and, and Cool Mo D. And one of the early pioneers, Curtis Blow. Yeah. So, so it's a long way from that. So yeah, I well, I don't know.
0: We're old school. Talk. We're old school.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So Al, are any are there any tracks with both of you? Any cuts that uh, we didn't mention, we didn't talk about that you feel you're really proud of or hidden gems in the catalog that you don't want people to miss?
2: Well I with myself it's not just the funkism, some of the ballads, you know, and I, I like a lot, especially the song, Some In The Past, you know, it meant a lot to me, you know, for the song itself and what it was really about and who it was really about. So, you know, I know I know we talk about funk all the time, mm-hmm. which we are a funk band, but, you know I'm more on the the little soft side of some of the music too. You know what I'm saying. So he's a singer.
0: There's two ways to get your groove on. They're both important.
2: Yeah, there absolutely. There you go. There you, there go. you go. That's what. <laughs> I'm there talking. you go. There you, you go. You explained it all just like that. There you
0: go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, for sure. Um, Dave, what's the guitar part or solo or something that you're the most proud of? Hmm.
1: Probably a combination of Mr. Groove and Cutie Pie. Yep, I, I um, I, I like Pocket. Um, with the exception of songs that I played acoustic guitar on, because acoustic guitar is a big love of mine, also especially for ballads. Even though I've taken a couple of mid-tempo songs and did some rhythm licks on acoustic guitar, um, I like Pocket. Pocket music is, to me, it's never ending. I could play it forever and never get tired. So so I, I would say Cutie Pie and Mr. Groove because those are strokes uh, that I liked uh, that has a, a, a pocket, you know? And, and uh, again, with that, I've had cats come along and ask me what, what makes it sound, how do I make it sound like I make it sound? and um, something they used to call back in the olden days with the old back porch guitar guys, they used to call something called chicken scratch. Mm -hmm. Well, if you listen to some of the guitar licks I've played, especially on Cutie Pie and Mr. Groove, a part of the chord is that chicken scratch that's in there also, which helps create a under rhythm uh, along with the guitar part. So you hear the chord going chank, 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 Underneath that is going chank it, chank it, chank it, So that everything on the upbeat, so to speak, is the little scratching that's going along with the chord, which makes the pocket, uh, and which makes it lock to the groove. So, yeah, I would say cutie pie and, and Mr. Groove probably.
0: And Al, is there any uh, uh, single vocal performance that you feel most proud of? Uh,
2: a song. I, I don't know if you know, it, but it was a song called "If I Knew."
0: Which which album do you know?
2: You know which album uh, wrong, uh, it was on, but it was this real strong myself and right. the other guy who's in the group with us. His name is Tony Lippett, but we call him Diamond. Something that we do together, and mm-hmm. I I think the vocals on there are like real strong, and you know it's it's like a song that i love but a song that was never you know really out there but Mm i felt real good the performance of it
0: i'm gonna go back and listen to that one again viewers do the same Mm -hmm. right there you go um you know one thing that's frustrating to me we talked about a little bit earlier was that um one way you know the record labels were slow to get the records onto cds A lot of them were out of print, hard to find for a while. I still feel like the group has not gotten its justice, um, you know, in having a box set or having the proper type of treatment of the back catalog. How do you gentlemen feel about that?
1: Well, there is, or there was, or how how can I reiterate that? There is five greatest hits CDs on the market that was released by MCA. They actually released it on the Cryless, I mean, that was released by Universal. It was released on the Cryless label. Um, um, and, and the only thing we didn't like about the release of those greatest hit packages, uh, and I guess they were trying to sell more records, so to speak, but they never had all the best things on one CD. So. They'll put out the first greatest hits package, you may have two or three of the big hits and a bunch of what we call b-sides same thing they did with all five of them they never had one that had everything good on all the on all the on, on, on one record so to speak so that was the only thing that we had we had an issue about but again we had no say so in the release of uh, of of that project so to speak
0: well, I still say there's definitely a need in the market for a comprehensive treatment out there um, mm-hmm. that includes it all together. And I'll be first in line to pick one up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um,
2: now, we did. You won't be first in line to pick one up. you would be first in line for us to send it to you. <laughs> if I'm hearing the right thing. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, we, we were blessed. Not uh, to cut you off, ahead. but as soon as we send it to you, we'll give you a few days and then we we'll want to get your input.
0: Oh, you bet. Yeah. Yeah, cool.
1: Um, cool. We 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 were blessed with the uh, what did they call the, the the CD that they put out on all there was a Millennium yeah Millennium uh, package. Yeah, now we did do a, they did put us on do a, a Millennium collection with us uh, on on one project. I mean on, on on some on some of the older hits, but again, even with the Millennium collection, they they didn't put all of the major songs on the package, and we could never wonder why. At least that was because they like when they released that, they always give that one like a two year run. And they could have, since it was probably the last one that they're going to do, they could have put all of the major hits uh, on that particular uh, collection. Or if they weren't sure, they could have contacted us and we could have told them which ones the public really, really liked.
0: Imagine doing that.
1: Yeah, thank you. Thank you.
0: (laughs) How come no live album
1: ever? Don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I would we, love to. Yeah, we did one live recording, but it was done via a radio show called Westwood One. Uh, it was recorded at the Fox Theater in San Diego, and they just played it on the. Uh, you know, they use it for the Westwood One had a Saturday radio show where they would feature a live concert uh, with with different R and B acts uh, per se. And we did that one thing with them, uh, but never a live CD to be released.
0: Well, Somebody needs to
1: do one now.
0: Yeah, there you go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we need a live CD now. All right. Matter of fact, we need a, we need a live DVD right now.
0: <laughs> Definitely. Um, hey, you guys have been so uh, gracious with your time. I appreciate it so much. The viewers Thank are going to appreciate it so much. Um, Is there anything um, that's still sort of on your bucket list uh, that you're you're hoping to accomplish before, um, you know, you stop doing music, uh, whatever reason that is, probably not retiring, but.
2: Right. Exactly. Well, actually, right now is just, you know, finishing up the project we're doing and, you know, see where it goes. I think that's pretty much heavy on both our brains right now, and I think it's a Real good project, and, you know, we'll be finished pretty soon, and we'll see where it goes from there. And as far as touring and working, we never stopped doing that. Well, we stopped that little time Mm -hmm. for those couple of years, but, you know, it's been pretty good. Yeah, I can't really complain. Yeah.
0: Can I suggest that you do do not title it 11?
2: (laughs) Oh, yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact, we have no title for the album as of yet. I got a good title still here. <laughs> right, that's a good one. That's a good one. I got, um, I got two things on my bucket list, but they're with the same person. I'd like to sit and have a conversation with Quincy Jones,
0: mm.
1: and I'd like to be in a recording session, a recording session, watching Quincy Jones. That is something that I've always uh, had on on my mind. I'd just like to see how he works, and and what how his brain thinks in in the studio, in the recording studio.
0: Have you ever met him?
1: No, I have not. Which that would have been whoo. That outside of meeting James Brown, that would probably be the other person that I would really love to meet, sit and talk to, would be Quincy Jones. Uh, and not to get long on him, but over the years, uh, I've learned where he comes from, along with a bunch of other musicians that came from the same thing. A lot of those cats were bred and brought up in the Miles Davis in Miles Davis's band, which I wasn't aware of. That, including Herbie Hancock, mm-hmm. and uh, we know Miles Davis, uh, his thought process. I don't think anybody could could get into his brain. Of how he thought about music. I I did see an interview with Herbie Hancock and one thing Herbie said he liked about Miles is he never let them rehearse a song. He would get them and show them the song and that would be it. He said that that Miles Davis wanted the song to sound how they felt that particular night. So he said they would never do a song the exact same way in, in, in a consecutive number of nights so yeah so to to meet quincy
2: and,
1: and i'm thinking if i talk to him I'm, I'm probably listening to him and miles davis and charlie parker and herbie and all them guys combined and in, just inside of quincy's brain so yeah
2: quincy jones for me
0: <laughs> That's so great. Director,
2: not a musician but magic johnson for me that's wow. my buddy we used to do a lot of shows for magic and I lost touch with him, but oh yeah, yes. I, I'm looking <laughs> right now. Yeah. But that is my good buddy. I would love to be in touch with him again.
0: <laughs> yeah, Showtime yep. baby.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, so many great uh, funk acts came from Miles Davis' camp too, like um, Michael Henderson and M. may and Herbie. And
1: now, see, I didn't. I wasn't aware of the Michael Henderson, Michael Henderson and M. may situation.
0: Yeah, they wow. were part of the band that did the uh, funk stuff in the early 70s with Miles.
1: Wow. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay.
0: So, what's funny too is about Miles Davis is every quote I ever see or if someone tells a story, every every sentence has mf in it. <laughs> 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 the guy was too I like
1: it. Yeah, I, I can see that. <laughs> I can see that.
0: Well I had Larry Dunn on this show and mm-hmm. he said that his biggest thrill was when he was nineteen, Miles Davis told him, like, good job, kid.
1: Wow. That's deep. Yeah. That's deep. Yeah, that is. That's deep.
0: Sure. So, guys, what is the best way for everyone to keep up with everything one way and everything you guys are doing? The tour, all the good stuff. I'm
2: sorry, I, I missed that. Best way to keep up with oh. the- Tour and you know stuff that's- uh,
1: we have a Facebook page uh, that a couple of our members keep updated um, and it's actually Al Hudson one way without the word and Al Hudson one way uh, and that's I guess that's how you log on I've, I I'm not in, I'm not on Facebook personally <laughs> I don't have time <laughs> but uh, but yeah um, a lot of people keep up with our with our whereabouts and what to dos, and what we've done lately on our Facebook page. And again, the Facebook page is Al Hudson One Way. And uh, we post uh, like some clips of some current shows we've done, anything we got coming up uh, is generally posted. And we go on a ten-city tour, which starts September 29th, uh, which will leak over into next year. Um, I can't remember the name. The name of the tour is something the funky way. Something I can't remember. But it's some cats out on the West Coast that's doing uh, a ten-city tour with us, Lakeside, Mary Jane Girls, Climax. I think. I think Climax is on that show. And it's funny. And it's and it actually the Delphonics is on the show too. It's on this gig. The Delphonics. Is
0: <laughs> how, how many of those guys are left?
1: The Delphonics. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure. Hmm. I think it might be one. It might be one. Um, one original? One
2: original.
0: So, Hey, any uh, other message, uh, just final words you want to get out to your fans?
2: No, I just want to thank you for spending time with us. And, you know, and I like, you know, learning a lot of knowledge from you as well. You know, it's been a good conversation. Absolutely. all well appreciated, you. very much. Well thank you much. Yeah.
0: Thank you so much, guys. I wish you the best of luck, continued success in what you're doing right now. And I can't wait to hear some music and hope to okay. see you play one day too.
1: Oh, oh yeah, the tour is called Back to the Funky Life. Oh, okay. Yeah, Back yeah, to the Funky Life, yeah. Yeah, had, so I had to pull it up on the phone. Yeah, so we started off on that on that particular situation, September September 29th in a, in a town right outside of Victorville called Al uh, Delanto. What, what city are you in in North Carolina? Charlotte.
0: Charlotte. Okay.
1: Charlotte. Oh, we okay. used
2: to play Charlotte. Yeah, back we, in the day.
0: Rick James oh, tours
1: yeah. kept us that on the East Coast, is, yes, up and down Charlotte, Greenville. Yeah. Uh, Roanoke. Uh, we up and down that market when we did the Rick James tour.
0: Yeah, those were the days. <laughs> yeah. Yes, sir. That's when a tour
1: was real, a real a real tour. Right. We did eight months with Rick James. Wow. We only came. We made it home three times in eight months. We had a ball. Yes, sir.
2: Living out of suitcase. We
1: had more energy then, too.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You guys are doing well now. I think you're doing fine. Take good care of yourselves.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Well, there you have the ups, downs, and all else in between accounting of the mighty Al Hudson and One Way. It was a kick for me to learn some of the -the behind-the-scenes stories and gain such insights into a lot of their irresistible grooves. And let's be real, those guys are just flat out a lot of fun too. Special thanks once again goes out to group namesake, Mr. Al Hudson and his right hand man, Mr. Dave Robertson. And again, to manager, Cal Spencer for facilitating the interview. Thank you guys, much appreciated. And I'm sure I'm sharing that from the viewers as well. Speaking of the viewers, a sincere thank you to you for your continued interest and support. Be sure to look out for upcoming Truth and Rhythm episodes and catch up with previous installments FunkinStuff.net on YouTube iTunes and other leading providers subscribe to truth and rhythm go to the Funk and Stuff channel on YouTube and click subscribe if you've already done so please tell a friend tell family we need that support show these great artists and this great funk R&B and jazz musicians that you love what they did you love what they're continuing to do show that support and that love and I want to hear from you write me scott G at, at funkinstuff.net you should see it on the screen right about now and let me know what you like what you maybe don't like so much and who else you want to see on the show it's funny I've been hearing from so many viewers and uh, I love it of course um, and a lot of the suggestions are, are acts uh, bands and, and musicians that I am hot on the trail to get on this show but um, it's always great to hear you know from you guys to know that I'm on the right path and uh, going after who you want to see and find out more about and with that for now as always this is scott dr jake skull saying keep on vibrating to the rhythm of the one